back to throw Fitzpatrick. Throwing high into the air. Got it. Parker, touchdown. What a win for this Miami Dolphin team. Wow. What is up, Dolphins? And welcome in to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network covering your Miami Dolphins. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we're going to play some audio from Brian Flores, Chris Greer, some draft analysts down on the floor at the Scouting Combine here in Indianapolis. Plus, the Dolphins made their first signing of the offseason last week with Michael Roberts. We'll jump into his game and what he brings to Miami. All of that and more here on this Thursday, February 27th edition of the Drive Time Podcast. And we are here in Indianapolis getting a look at prospective players ahead of this year's draft coming up at the end of April. But the Dolphins made their first splash of the offseason with the acquisition of former Toledo Rockets and Detroit Lions tight end Michael Roberts. We're going to get to Michael here in just one moment, but we start with the availabilities of Dolphins head coach Brian Flores and general manager Chris Greer first We'll start with Coach, who had plenty to say at his media availability down in the scrum here at the convention center in downtown Indianapolis. And the first quote that popped out from the entire thing, the thing that I chose to lead my story with up on MiamiDolphins.com, where you can find these transcripts and articles about what Coach and Chris Greer said and all the content available for all you Dolphins fans out there, was adapt or die. And he said that in reference to the workout and on-field changes and schedule changes here at the Combine and how refreshing is it to hear that from your coach in a league where, frankly, there still are coaches out there that adhere to old-school principles and are not willing to adapt with the modern times. But here in Miami, that's just not the case. Brian Flores knows that this league adapts on a yearly basis, on a monthly basis, on a weekly basis. Heck, even on a drive-by-drive basis, you're going to have to adapt yourself and adjust in-game. And Brian Flores gets that. He gets the nuances of the modern-day game. He was also asked about the appointment of offensive coordinator Chan Gailey and asked whose idea was that, who first brought Gailey into the forefront. And Coach said, that was my idea. He knows about Coach Gailey because he coached against him in the past. And Gailey was always tough to deal with schematically. Coach said, he's good situationally. I've just heard so many things about him as a teacher, the big thing for me is always teaching and he's a great teacher and we know the success the Dolphins had last year with undrafted free agents late round draft picks Andrew Van Ginkle coming off the IR late in the season and contributing as an outside linebacker and at that same position not a draft pick but a guy they acquired the first day of September last season and Vince Beagle getting him acclimated and having him produce at a high level throughout the course of the season, it really speaks to Flores and his coaching staff's ability to teach guys and get them adapted to what they want to do and get them productive on the field on Sundays. And that's what Flores sees in Chan Gailey. And Chris Greer was also asked the same question about Chan Gailey. And Greer mentioned that he got several texts from folks around the league saying that Gailey was a great hire, both for his football acumen, but also for the person that he is. And that teaching aspect of his game shows up on a daily basis. Coach wasn't the only one that praised Gailey for his adaptability on game days. Chris Greer had this to say of Chan Gailey, quote, He was a little bit ahead of the RPO game early on before it became in style for the rest of the league. 
And another similar question that was posed both to Coach and Chris Greer was about the value of tailbacks, running backs, I suppose, in the modern day game. And Coach had this to say, quote, running backs come in all different shapes and sizes. It depends on who you've got. We're always going to do what's best for the player. And Chan has done a really good job of fitting the scheme to the different players he's had. So again, more of that adaptability and form-fitting your scheme to the player's strengths opposed to forcing those players to do what you want them to do, even though it might be out of their comfort zone a little bit. And when it was time for me to ask a question for Brian Flores, I thought I would ask him what the most important thing he could take away from this week here in Indianapolis, going back on his career, both in New England and here in Miami. And he had this to say, quote, getting to know them, the players, there's a lot of juniors here that we don't really know that well, finding out how smart they are, the things that are important to them. I want to know about the person. We watch all of the film and have an opinion on how talented these players are. How do they work? How important is it to them? And are they going to make the sacrifices necessary to become the player that they want to be, end quote. And I just love that quote from Coach. It's all about how you work and your mindset and your mentality. It takes a certain level of character and and work ethic to become a Miami Dolphin, and that's the kind of mentality they want to put forth going forward into the future under both Brian Flores and Chris Greer. Now, of course, you know, both these guys couldn't get out of there without being asked about the quarterback position. And Flores was asked about what traits are most important in a quarterback and the it factor. And Flores basically, when asked, does a quarterback have to have the it factor? He said, well, the great ones have it. So yeah, they got to have the it factor. He also talked about how the intangibles are difficult to discern, but these interviews help the teams decide what makes a player tick, especially at quarterback. And Flores talked about those traits that defined the coveted it factor. Do guys rally around him, coach said. It's something you see when you watch the film. You get to know the player, the people around him, his coaches, his high school coaches, anybody who he's had an effect on. You want to get to know them and have those conversations. It's a feel. And as a group, myself and Chris... Chris Greer, of course, we spend a lot of time talking about a lot of different things. If we feel like a player has that, that's something every organization is looking for. Everyone has a different thought process and an opinion on that. Now, the question I asked Chris Greer, the Dolphins GM, was about how much does the Dolphins' available cap space and available draft capital basically make them an attractive free agent destination or give them a bargaining tool to attract players to Miami. And Chris had this to say, quote, it's a big piece. People want to see that you're trying to do things to win what we've done and what we've acquired for any player, especially a younger player, would be excited for the opportunity to know that they're coming in with a lot of draft picks, a lot of good young players, and the chance to grow and build with them and build something special here in Miami, end quote. And he also spoke about the goal in year number two off the top of his press conference and how the goal was to just continue building and how Brian and the coaching staff did a great job of establishing the culture last season. And the narrative was out there that, yeah, this team was tanking, but Chris said that it was clear the team was not tanking. That was never their goal. It's important to establish that culture of winning, the importance of winning, and doing things the right way, end quote. And being around both these guys, you just can tell these guys both want to win more than anybody out there. As much as you want to win in Dolphins land, rest assured, Coach and Chris Greer both want to win 10 times more than that, if not even more than 10 times. And I said this back on Locked on Dolphins back in training camp, just being around coach and this regime, that you can see the confidence that exudes off of those guys, and it really bodes well for the Dolphins heading into the future and year number two of this process. 
And of course, they were both asked about the quarterbacks here in Indianapolis working out at the Scouting Combine 2020 ahead of the draft up in April. And Chris Greer asked about what are some of the important things he hopes to find out about the quarterbacks. He responds, quote, just getting to know the person. And that's the case for every person, not just quarterbacks. Leadership, mental toughness, character on and off the field. It's important for every position, but especially quarterback. He also spoke about the importance of finding that quarterback, and he agrees it is very important. Every team that has one will tell you that, and we want to get to that point. Ryan Fitzpatrick did a great job last year, and he'll be a great person to show whoever it is how to be a pro. And on the earlier podcast this week, back on Monday, we talked about the quarterback rankings with Joe Burrow, Tua Tungavailoa, and Justin Herbert, the one, two, three guys up on thedraftnetwork.com. But of course, both Chris and Brian were asked about Tua Tungavailoa and what they want to see for him from him this week, rather, at the scouting combine. And Flores said, quote, there's a lot to know about a lot of players, but it's just what we talked about. Love of the game, intelligence. But that's for any player, not just quarterbacks. We're not going to elevate these guys. And this is me speaking now. They're not going to elevate guys from different positions above anybody else because everybody on this roster, everybody on this team, everybody in this organization is all important. And coach has intimated that fact before in press conferences from those guys that cook the team meals, from those ones that fly the team plane. Everybody has a part in this process. We're all working together. And the goal is to get Get everybody on the same page. So they want people in this building that love the game, that have intelligence. And back to two, a coach says the medical is obviously a part of that. We're early in the process here. I haven't met him yet. I'm looking forward to meeting him and a lot of these players. There are a lot of talented players here. End quote. And Lewis Riddick and Daniel Jeremiah and Kyle Krabs have all said that this is the deepest draft class that they can remember in some time and a great time to have 14 draft picks and a projected 16 after compensatory picks get put in and six of those picks in the top 70 picks of this year's draft. Great time to be a Dolphins fan. So we've heard from Coach, we've heard from Chris Greer, and with that, let's go ahead and dive into Chris Greer's first move of the offseason, acquiring tight end Michael Roberts. Roberts had a breakout season in 2016 in college, scoring 16 touchdowns. 16! Coming from Toledo, Roberts, a fourth-round draft pick of the Lions in 2017, impressed the most in Indianapolis with his 7.03 cone time, and from his player profile page up on NFL.com and Lance Zerline's scouting report, Roberts had to overcome a lot of adversity for from a young age. His father was incarcerated. He was diagnosed with ADD and a speech impediment at a young age. And while his grades improved after he received diagnosis and proper treatment, Roberts did not receive a scholarship offer and the hardships, well, unfortunately, they had not concluded. At that point, he lost his grandmother to cancer and his younger brother was killed in an accidental shooting, but still, Michael persevered. He enrolled at Toledo as a student and walked onto the football team, and those 16 touchdowns that he scored back in 2016 ranked 6 in all of college football. Zerline notes that 80% of Robert's career receptions either move the chains or put points on the board. That is production, baby. He has massive, massive hands, 11 and a half inch hands attached to vines on his shoulders by way of 33 inch arms. He goes six foot five, 270 pounds. And yet, as Zerline notes, he's able to maintain body control and work the end lines in the end zone and sidelines in the passing game. He has a strong base and is a capable run blocker. He's a versatile piece that should match Chan Gailey's multiple offense very well and bolster the back end of the tight end room behind Mike Gesicki, who of course had his breakout season back in 2019 last year. Roberts has been held back by injuries as a pro, most notably missing last season with a shoulder injury. 
and Roberts actually drew the interest of the New England Patriots, but that shoulder injury nixed an agreed-upon trade to the Patriots, and Roberts instead wound up being released by the Lions and spent the entire year rehabbing the shoulder injury that he had that season. Dolphins fans likely remember him from that game back in 2018 when he caught two touchdowns as a member of the Detroit Lions, and watching this player on film personally, he certainly has the makeup of a modern-day player with the length and athleticism combination and just overall versatility. And Pro Football Focus loved his pass-blocking work during his time with the Detroit Lions. And you can also substitute the extra sixth offensive lineman at times for a guy like Roberts and give yourself some extra pass-catching ability and not losing a whole lot in the run game as well. So again, versatility allows the offense to be more multiple. And when I watch him on tape, I love the way he is quick but not in a hurry. He'll square up his man that's assigned to cover him in the passing game and especially on play action when he does a good job of simulating blocking action, then he quickly crosses face to get into his pattern. He's savvy at creating leverage opportunities that way, and he also helps himself by positioning himself properly in the run-blocking game. By most accounts, the tight end draft class this year is, let's just say, lacking. Kyle Krabs, who I had a chance to speak to down on the floor in the scrum at the convention center Wednesday in Indianapolis, said that this is one of the weaker classes we've seen in some time at tight end. But NFL Network's Bucky Brooks likes a lot of the offensive positions in this year's class, and he has the Dolphins taking in his current mock draft up on NFL.com, mock draft 2.0. He has Miami taking a quarterback, a cornerback, and a running back in the first round. And let's go ahead now and roll my interview with former NFL player and area scout and current NFL network on-air personality and Move the Sticks podcast co-host, Bucky Brooks. What's up, Dolphins? Travis Winkle with you guys here, MiamiDolphins.com. By Bucky Brooks, NFL Network, and the Move the Sticks podcast. Bucky, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's no problem. Well, I want to get your first perspective on, you, you're a former scout in this league. What's, what's the number one thing a scout can accomplish this week here in Indianapolis? There are a couple things that a scout can accomplish. One is getting around the players. Like, we've done all the tape work. We've seen them on film. Uh, but we may not have had many interactions with them. So now getting a feel for the player, uh, how they're going to fit into the locker room, do you like the personality? Does the personality job with the coaching staff? All of those things are really important. Yes, we will also get the medical information and all that stuff. The doctors and trainers, they'll take care of that. But the most important part is to get a feel for the player and how he kind of fits the culture of the locker room. And another thing we talk about on your Move the Sticks podcast, your co-host, Daniel Jeremiah, said the receiver class could have as many as 23, 24 receivers in the top three rounds. What's another position group to you that has similar depth to the wide receiver group? Uh, the cornerback class is pretty solid. It may not have the top end. Um, players in terms of the depth, like the wide receivers, but there are a ton of cornerbacks that will play. People will talk about Jeffrey Okuda, C.J. Henderson, uh, Trevon Diggs. Uh, you go a little deeper, uh, there, there are plenty of guys, Damon Arnett, that can play. And so I think it comes down to what do you like, what are you looking for. The big thing is, and in scouting circles, they talk about trying to find a six-foot corner. Well, in this class, there are a ton of six-foot corners that are 200 pounds that can match it with some of those big bullies on the outside. And so a lot of DB coaches, a lot of defense coordinators are excited about what the class could bring. And you mentioned Trayvon Diggs. He actually comes off the board to the Dolphins in your second mock draft up on NFL.com right now. I want to go over that mock draft with you here real quick. You got Tua Tungavailoa, number five overall. What do you, what's your feeling about Tua in that position and possibly his fit here with the Dolphins? Well, I think it's a great fit. Um, I think it's, it's a great fit. I think he's a terrific person. I think the character kind of shows when you get around him. We've seen him handle the media days and those things. He can play. I call him the left-handed version of Drew Brees. Quick, decisive, deadly accurate, understands how to play a quick rhythm game, has enough escapability to make some things happen with his legs, but he can slice you up as a pocket passer, and I think that's what you want. The big thing for Tua, obviously, is the injuries. 
can a team be patient enough to let him fully heal up, let him develop? Maybe he's redshirted for a year. But I think if you let him redshirt for a year, you could get a star player. And you have Trayvon Diggs coming off number 18. What's the thing about him that makes, most, most makes you attractive to the Miami Dolphins at pick 18? He's long, he's rangy, he's versatile in terms of his technique. He can play man-to-man, he can play his own coverage. He is a former wide receiver who has ball skills. And in this league, the ability to get turnovers is critical. So when you find a cornerback that can catch the ball, that can make plays, it's a huge difference. It really impacts not only the defense, but your offense because it's an extra opportunity. He has that ability. He'll tackle. But... There are a ton of guys that can kind of fit there. I just think Trayvon Diggs would be a perfect fit for the Dolphins at that pick. And then finally, pick 26, DeAndre Swift, the first running back off the board. We heard him talk earlier today about his versatility. Is that kind of the main thing you look for with DeAndre Swift and a running back that can come in and contribute day number one? Yeah, he's the natural. Um, He's very natural in everything that he does, whether it's as a running back, catching, pass protection. He does all those things very effortlessly. Uh, Big-time player. I know people kind of wonder, should we take a running back in the first round? I think his talent merits being a first-round pick. He is a game-changer, a guy that, to me, is a day-one starter. We have seen how these young running backs have been able to impact the game immediately. I think he's an impact player at the position. He's Bucky Brooks of the NFL Network and the Move the Sticks podcast. Travis Winkle with you guys here at MiamiDolphins.com. We'll see you next time. Really cool to catch up with Bucky Brooks there. I'm a big fan of the Move the Sticks podcast. He and Daniel Jeremiah of the NFL Network. Of course, Daniel does the NFL Network's anchor coverage of the draft and the scouting combine this week here in Indy. And Bucky, of course, a former player in the league and a great opportunity to pick his brain there about the draft and all the options the Dolphins have in front of them coming up this April. We also had a chance to catch up with Charlie Casserly, the former GM of the Washington Redskins, and of course now on-air personality for the NFL Network. Let's go ahead and get to that interview. All right, we're here with Charlie Casserly, the NFL Network and former executive GM of the Washington Redskins. Charlie, thanks for joining us today. Good to be with you. Hey, it's, it's exciting, another combine. Yeah, it's, it's one of the exciting for the Miami Dolphins. I mean, this is what they've played for the whole year, all these draft choices, get a chance to see players. Fans got to be fired up. 14 draft picks before the compensatory picks come in. We're, yeah. we're definitely fired up about that. Yeah. Wanted to get your feel here about what is the number one thing a GM or executive can accomplish this week here in Indianapolis? Well, believe it or not, it's not something that you see on television. Uh, physicals. This, this combine was started as a cost-efficient way to get 330 physicals. That's why we started this thing, okay? Uh, and then there, it was one of the, you know, we got them here. Hey, why don't we time them? You know, why don't we do some drills with them? Hey, let's interview them. Hey, wait a minute, let's do our psych. So that's kind of how this thing has grown. It's let's do this, let's do that, which is good. Uh, so the physicals are number one. When I did it, I wanted the physicals, the chance to do your, quote, mental testing on your own because uh, you had a whole group of players you could get here. You didn't have to fly them in. You got that done. And then watch the position drills. The 40, yes, I wanted to know that. So I, when I'm watching the position drills, I, I kind of got a feel for what the guy is. But those are the three things to me that I got out of it. We talk about all the draft picks the Dolphins have this year, and the offensive linemen spoke today. Can you guys go over the offensive line class and what stands out to you the most about these kids? I think you got four guys that could go in the top 15 picks, uh, and, and part of its need and some of its ability on all of them. Okay, first of all, Beckham, Becton, excuse me, from uh, Louis, excuse me, Louisville. This guy's massive. I'm watching him on tape. This guy really moves well for a left tackle, and he's six foot seven, 368 pounds, or whatever. <laughs> this guy's a giant. So I want to see him live. Is the movement that good? What's the body? Is this a, is a good body, or is this not a good body when we see it like that? Because not a good body means that's not going to help him in the NFL. Okay, then we go to Alabama, okay, and we got Wilkes, uh, the offensive tackle there. Okay, I've only seen him play right. Can he play left? Okay, that's my point there. Can that guy play left? So I'll see that in the drills. Right. Uh, Thomas from Georgia, 
left tackle. Maybe that's your left tackle. Uh, you know, he's more of a, a can he be physical enough? Now, I don't know if we'll get that here, okay? And then you go to uh, the Iowa kid works, uh, right tackle, right guard. Can he play left tackle? Is he athletic enough to play right tackle in the drill? So those are the things I'll look for with the offensive lineman. Offensive line class deep this year, receiver class deep. What's the position group that you're really looking at that has the depth that could go with some good talent into day three this year? Well, wide receivers is, is to do that. Uh, but to answer your question another way, and not to avoid it, wide receivers answer, okay? The, what I want to see is the defensive backs. I put six in the first round of my mock draft. Part of it's need, part of it's ability. And what I did is I, when I go down my needs list and I go down my ranking list, and I try to match it that way as I go. But there aren't enough good corners in the league. you got teams throwing the ball all over the place. You have both Super Bowl teams were more reliant upon their front pressure than their secondary's ability the cornerback's ability. And, and those are the two best teams in football, and they could get better at cornerback. Charlie Cashley, appreciate it. Thank you. So really great insight there from both Charlie Casserly and Bucky Brooks of the NFL Network. I was also on the floor for the running back interviews at the Combine on Wednesday. Had a chance to catch up with DeAndre Swift, Zach Moss, and J.K. Dobbins, as well as Cam Akers from Florida State. Let's go ahead and hear first from DeAndre Swift. A lot of mock drafts have you as the first back off the board. How important would that be to you to be the first back taken this year? That would be amazing. That's an every kid dream. I mean, especially coming from the city I come from. Not a lot of good comes out of the village. So just to make it out and be on this route that I'm on, um, I don't take it lightly. I don't take it for granted. So uh, I know my city is supporting me. So it will be a blessing just to be a group among these backs, a lot of great backs in this class. Just to be at the top, uh, be mentioned at the top is a blessing. So DeAndre talks about his versatility earlier in that media availability as well. And that was what we heard Bucky Brooks talk about in terms of having him as a top back on his draft board coming up this April. We also caught up with Zach Moss from Utah. And for those of you that are new to the podcast, I am a Washington State Cougar alumni, and so Zach Moss running over the Cougs this year in the Pac-12 matchup, maybe I'm a little bit sour about that, but I still have an affinity for Kyle Whittingham and the players at that Utah program, so I asked Zach Moss what was his biggest takeaway from playing under Whittingham there at Utah. I also asked him who the toughest player he went up against on the other side of the football to maybe give us an idea about who the best defensive player was in the Pac-12 this year. Zach, Utah is known for its kind of physical brand of football. What did you learn most from playing under Kyle Whittingham? Um, to be a tough, smart guy. You know, um, coach always looked for guys that were tough, smart. You know, you know, it's different thing being tough. You know, and it causing penalties and things like that. But he, uh, he very uh, instilled in us to be tough, smart guys, be accountable for ourselves and what we did on the field. So. Um, it was a pleasure, you know, being coached by Coach uh, Whittingham and my time there. Who was the toughest player you went up against on, on the other side of the football? On my team? On the other side, on, on um, the opposition. Opposition? Uh, probably Troy Dye. Uh, we play, I played him twice um, in my career. We played at Oregon, the linebacker. Thank you. And up next on our tour here of the running backs, Cam Akers from Florida State and the adversity he faced this year with FSU maybe not having the year they're accustomed to down there in the ACC. With uh, Florida State not only living up to the expectations you guys normally expect, what were you able to take away from some of the adversity you went through this last season? Uh, like I said, you know, God don't make any mistakes. So whatever situation you put in, make it work. Uh, make it work. You got to be the best you. And uh, whatever situation you, you're in, you got to be a leader still. You got to be a young man. You got to be the young man you are. And uh, that's, that's what I learned most. 
And then finally, and then finally, my first interview of the day was with J.K. Dobbins. Not an interview, but just sitting there at his podium talking to him. And you're going to hear us stumble in my question here. You heard me talk a little bit fast earlier to Bucky Brooks. Maybe a little bit nervous going in, but we got kind of calmed down as the day went along. So just ignore my stumble and focus on J.K.'s answer here because I loved it about how he dealt with playing against teams that were ranked and the great performances he had in those games against ranked teams. Okay, you had some of your biggest games in the big time uh, ranked opponents. What is it about the primetime spotlight that brings out the best in you? I always work for it, you know, for spotlight moments. You know, uh, it's about what I do outside of the lights. You know, when the lights aren't on me, you know, it's, it's things that I do, you know, to try to be ready for when that time comes. Like, primetime isn't really primetime to me. It's like a normal day in the office because I work so hard. And so whenever it comes to those games, I'm, I'm very prepared. So a good opportunity to catch up with some of the running backs there and of Charlie Castley and Bucky Brooks. Thank you to all those folks that joined the podcast here with us today on the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network. We're going to talk to Kyle Krabs of the Draft Network tomorrow. We're also going to have some interviews with some more TV personalities and draft analysts, as well as talk to the defensive linemen and linebackers down in the scrum at the convention center here in Indianapolis. We'll be there all day long, giving you guys tweets, updates, articles up on MiamiDolphins.com. And of course, one more podcast to close out the week here at the Scouting Combine. Next week, we'll come back with you guys and recap the Scouting Combine and all the times and who tested the best. All that fun stuff, on-field workouts ahead. But as for today's episode of the Drive Time Podcast, that is going to be my time. Follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Of course, follow the Miami Dolphins at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Audible and the Fish Tank Podcast, both part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. And I will talk to you tomorrow. Fins up. Fins up. Fins up.